First things first. First is the DU General, Money P. I'ma put you up on the schedule. Six to nine, eight weekdays, not to and seven years. We got a lot to talk about, so much to pedal through. Unapologetically progressive. Tune to KBLA 1580 to get the mess. With your ancestors' favorite radio station. First black on talk radio, left side of the nation. Me and Dominique the Prima go way back. Smiling, making sure the station stays black. Discussing all the issues in our community. We're hosting black and brown and others find unity. So let's talk about it. Maybe can improve it. Digital underground, always down with the moon. Come on. So we tune in. The first things first with the queen of black talk radio. Dominique to Prima. Go, sis. KBLA Talk 1580. Good morning, TGIF. God bless. I'm Dominique DePrima. The show is called First Things First. And my first thing today and every day, giving thanks, giving praises and asking for blessings from God, asking for the blessings of the ancestors and the elders and getting it going. This is uh, First Things First. That's the name of the show. The way we do the show, well, you know, we're kind of in election season, so I don't even know if I should tell you this, but typically our one is local, our two national, international, and beyond, our three, a deep dive with a person or persons of interest. Today is Friday, so it's always going to be a little different election or no election because we do a thing called Freedman Fridays in the second hour of the show. It is meant to be a comprehensive reparations conversation, all comers, all schools of thought, Anybody getting things done in the space or even presenting a significant obstacle, uh, we will address. And that's what we do Fridays. In fact, if you have missed some of our incredible Friday conversations, they are all available for free on podcast. Uh, Camila Moore, uh, Cam Howard, uh, Ron Daniels, um, Friday Jones, and on and on it goes. A, A lot of really... Uh, meaty conversations, or if you're vegan, a lot of really protein-filled conversations. Um, and the and the goal is for us all to be really up to speed, to know what's going on in the space, what's being done, and to keep the momentum going. So that's hour two. Hour three, I lied. I promised you that I would uh, open up the phones for us to unpack our what we learned on Freedman Fridays, but you're going to have to, uh, let's do, you know, whatever you want to talk about right now, um, what you'd like to see addressed on Freedman Fridays, or what you've digested so far, or what you're sick and tired of, um, whatever that is, let's do it now, 800 uh, 920-1580, 800-920-1580, because our three, we are doing the candidate thing, we are a little over a week away from the final day to vote, And we've got a couple of candidates running for city council. Uh, Pastor Eddie Anderson, who celebrated his birthday this week, will be in to talk about his quest for CD10. And Cliff Smith uh, with the Roofers Union is coming in to talk about how he is looking to be elected to CD8 in the Los Angeles City Council. So we got a busy 
busy, busy, busy day. But right now it's you, me, and my every other Friday most of the time, partner in politics, a contributor to KBLA. You've seen him on Fox Soul. In addition, he is the founder, CEO of ES Advisors, which is a public policy uh, and uh, electoral, what it, I don't know, consulting firm. I, I don't know. You say public policy firm, Ed Sanders, but I know you do. Sometimes you work with candidates as well. Um, so how would you describe all of what you do? And good morning. Happy Friday. <laughs> Happy Friday. How are you, Dominique? I, good. I describe it as, as uh, public affairs. It, it, it encompasses all of that, sometimes press relations, sometimes um, interfacing with governments on behalf of clients and, and campaigns. So uh, we try to wrap it under one big package and call it public affairs. Public affairs firm. You know what? I know it sounds like I've had three cups of coffee, but I haven't. I'm actually running <laughs> on fumes. Um, but I, I, I have nothing to complain about because I know as the dad of school age kids, you are doing all the morning routines. And um, so... Yeah, happy Friday to you. Indeed, likewise, likewise. So, unbelievably, I keep saying, oh, well, the election's right around the corner when it really wasn't, but now it actually is, um, because in-person voting starts tomorrow for early voters. In-person voting starts, I think it's 10 to 5 or 10 to 4 at voting centers, wherever you are. Um, and I know this is a busy, busy, busy season for you, with uh, public affairs and certainly with uh, your your clients who are lawmakers. Is there anything you're especially tracking this time around? Um, you know, I, it's an interesting, I mean, March setting up November. Uh, uh, you know, so I, I think I, I, I'm <clears throat> watching the, the Senate race, uh, particularly to see, uh, um, you know, who pulls into the runoff on, on that race. Um I think that one is going to be important. Obviously, here in Los Angeles, more locally, uh, we've got a district attorney's race. And all of those candidates looking to see who makes it into the runoff there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then, then a few key council races as well. And, and you know, the the newsmaker is the um, school board race here in Los Angeles. Yeah, um, that's become the, quite the yeah. contentious situation, which is weird because usually. No one pays attention to school board. I mean, not no one, but, you know, political wonky types do. But the average person doesn't. It's not typically on the cover of the Los Angeles Times. Yeah, it's well, it should be, right? Yes. Like, and, and I think for us, it, it's always been, um, um, you know, we've had some very good representatives through the years in, in that district seat, um, you know, go back and you know, just the the line of folks that, that have sat in the seat have all been, been quality board members. Um, You're you know, talking, and, of course, about George McKenna's seat, which is probably, well, is, is clearly the most um, heated and contested race at this point, which I think it's, yeah, right, it's District exactly. 1, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's the one I think that represents most of South L.A. And, right. And for the most part, the, the largest swath of African-American community in the city. And, you know, public education has always been key for us. And, you know, I think um, balancing the needs of our community in, in the totality of running a district has always been a challenge. But, uh, you know, I think our community has some, some very specific education 
needs that need to be addressed, and 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 hopefully they're being heard in this race. Yeah. Well, um, now we're getting the news that the teachers' union UTLA uh, has taken their uh, the Los Angeles teachers' union has taken their support away from Khalid Al Alim, who was under fire for past social media posts that were uh, glamorizing guns, allegedly. Um, I, I say allegedly, even though he's apologized for it, um, you know, liking pornographic images and um, accused of being anti-Semitic. He hasn't dropped out of the race, but UTLA has withdrawn their backing after having an emergency meeting last night. That's pretty extraordinary. Is I mean, from your position as a public affairs um, policy guy, that's rare, right? Um, yeah, I mean, rare you see that a a labor endorsement is pulled or at least, you know, the support that given is, is stopped. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting, I think it calls into question UTLA selection process and what, <laughs> you know, what they look for, right? Like ultimately, um, yeah. Do you, I mean, to me, you the the minimum of vetting a person for anything, you got to look at their social media. That is something we can take from Gen Z, right? Um, the minimum, you know, I, I learned right. that when I, I mean, I, I always, if it was for, you know, an endorsement or hopefully a husband or wife, you would at least look at their social media. But I, I saw that when I was working at Fox Soul, you know, with when I was producing there with those Gens, Gen X and Gen Z folks, the first thing they do is look at the person's IG, you know, before they even look at their bio or anything, they go to their Instagram or their X account. And, you know, it's smart. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, look, in, 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 in a sense, when you're going to represent the best interests of a community, um, you know, you've got to have the, the credibility to to execute on, on whatever platform you're, you're running on. And, you know, because you could and, and, and your public facing image plays a lot into that. You know, I, 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 I think you and I have talked to a lot of young people that are like, what does it matter whether or not, you know, I'm looking at something on, on TikTok or Instagram or whatever and, and whatever I say on social media, why should that matter? That's my own, you know, private um, expressions. And yes, that's true. But, you know, when you need the perceptions of people to get done what you need to get done, then, then it does matter. And, and, and that's why we, we look at stuff like that. That's why people look at, at social media. That's why, you know, that's why all of this matters in the first place. Apparently Um, they didn't officially rescind the endorsement because they have to go through this formal process to do that. But they've suspended, uh, they've suspended support and everyone knows that's going to lead to, I think, pretty much everyone knows that's going to lead to a withdrawal of support once they go through the process. I don't know. And I don't know much about this guy. I don't, you know, I'm not saying he's, you know, qualified or not qualified, but I don't see how you survive that, especially when, you know, porn is involved and you're trying to be on the school board. <laughs> I had thought of it that way, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's tough. I, I, I haven't followed his candidacy as deeply. Um, you know, I'm seeing that. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some of the, uh, almost the Kyrie Irving, um, sort of fallout from, I guess, liking a, a particular book. I, I don't recall the title of it, but, um, you know, I, I think there's been a number of different things with his background that, 
would have, could have, should have maybe raised flags. Um, but, I mean, the, the point being that he secured the endorsement from the start, right? So, yeah. I mean, like, in, in some ways, there, there, there was a lot to his campaign or what he was advancing that, that people liked. Um, it, it, I think in the in the end game, if people did like it, um, you know, not having a candidate credible enough to to sustain a campaign would be problematic. So the the publication that he liked was the secret relationship between blacks and Jews, how Jews gained control of the black American economy, which of course plays into lots of sort of stereotypical anti-Semitic tropes. Um, and not only did he like it, he said it should be mandatory reading in L.A. schools. So you're going, you're joining the school board. That's going to be uh, relevant. And, I, you know, some stuff that people say is anti-Semitic, I, I might argue with because, you know, taking a position against uh, Netanyahu and, uh, you know, and what's happening in Gaza, that to me is not anti-Semitic. But talking about Jews controlling the American economy that to me that is I don't think it's um I don't think it's borderline I really don't yeah I mean it, it, it it's hard to to you can't you know it's hard to stand up and and paint large you know swaths of the community of controlling <laughs> right an entire know? ethnic or religious group which you know Jew Jewish can be both um with with one broad brush is kind of the you know, definition, right, of discrimination or or hate in that sense. Right. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, it, in in the end game, you've got to find a it, and it's it's not a parsing of the the sentiment, but I mean, it generally when when those sentiments are raised, they're, they're pointing to um, some inequity that that they're casting the blame on, and it, you know, I, you just have to be able to understand the inequity more deeply and be able to, to communicate that. It, you just can't paint it with a, a broad stroke, like, you know, all these people are persecuting us. It, it doesn't necessarily work that way. Uh, well, we got a lot to talk about. One of the things I'm hoping you can help me with, help us with, Ed Sanders, is this Proposition 1. I've got to figure it out. I was yes, then I went to no, now I'm maybe. <laughs> and the endorsements for it are pretty strong, but the arguments against it are also quite compelling. This is what you do. Maybe you can help us sort through this, uh, get a clearer understanding. I was hoping to fill out my uh, my ballot this weekend and get it in early, but maybe not. <laughs> but uh, you can vote this weekend. And from now on, actually starting tomorrow all the way up through March 5th, which is the last day to vote, you can vote by mail and you can also vote in person. Uh, you got questions, commentary, conversation, even topics that you would like to address. Let's do it. 800-920-1580. I swear I didn't even have one cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm Dominique DeFrima uh, with Ed Sanders for KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestor's favorite radio station. Radio station. And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima and Ed Sanders. And of course, you, we always like to talk with you, 800 920 1580, 800 920 1580. Or join us on uh, YouTube at uh, youtube.com, KBLA 1580, where we stream live every weekday. So, 
Proposition One, Ed Sanders, is about um, it's about how we utilize our mental health dollars in the state of California. It is not. It's kind of like I think I would call it a tweak to prior legislation that established this tax of one percent on millionaires in California to pay for uh, mental health, right? Mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. What this Gavin Newsom calls uh, Measure One an, an update or a modernization of um, of the way we utilize our money for mental health is statewide. Um, it's so it'll be on everybody's ballot, no matter what district you live in. You're going to have to decide whether to vote yes or no on Proposition One. One of the things that it does is it creates a formula where counties have to spend a certain amount of money, this pot of money from this tax on bil- on millionaires to build housing and treat acutely mentally ill persons. It sounds sensible when you look at things in the context of where we are right this second. But of course, when we pass these laws, they last until they're, you know, overturned or updated. And this is one of those situations where Proposition 1 will restrict how counties can spend their dollars. So it gives folks less flexibility, which, you know, can be problematic, right? But at the same time, I understand, you know, if the governor is saying this is going to help us address where we, we are with unhoused persons, I almost feel like I have to support it. Uh, I had one young lawmaker, though, saying, look, they, solutions are good, but they have to, they can't have unintended um, bad consequences. They, can't, they have to be uh, well-vetted and thoroughly thought-out solutions. Same time, um, Karen Bass, who's, you know, at the forefront of fighting houselessness, at least in L.A., has said yes on this uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters has said yes on this. The L.A. Times has endorsed it. Uh, This sort of shady guy that I got in my mailbox called the cops voter guy. I never trust these because it doesn't tell you who's behind it. But they say yes on on uh, on one as well. So and and um, my friend Jasmine Canick, who does a voter guide, says yes. So it's it's pretty confusing. I usually I can if I find agreement among a bunch of people, then I can um, compare it with my own common sense and make a decision. But on this, I think the arguments on both sides are pretty compelling. Um, you're right, and and there's issues to look at. I you know I I think you know the the way California has dealt with mental illness, um, and you know I. Uh, you know, you've got to point back to the 80s, the early 80s, uh, I think it was, maybe late 70s, when when Reagan was governor. And, you know, he ended the funding for institutionalized mentally ill, right? And, um, you know, I think the state has been grappling with what to do with the severely um, inflicted that, that suffer from mental illness, Um you know, first it was to prisons, and 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 now you know those individuals are just on the street, um, and you know I I think the compassion that 
legislators that that the communities are showing <clears throat> to try to figure out what to do with with that population is what's at play here and um you know the how you get all of the counties all of the cities to agree and move forward and and start to act in co in in concert with each other is is just a political um challenge and and so i think what you're seeing with the governor is let's find a way to get um funding on the table to start i don't think this is the end-all be-all and and i don't think anyone is saying that this is the end-all be-all to to helping um first you know those that are mentally ill and then second sort of ending the homelessness crisis right because that's yeah. it's the optics of that people want to want to get people off the streets and, and we know that a, a large portion of those people suffer with suffer from mental illness um but this is a good step you know this is a good step to put money on the table to start to move the needle there's certainly going to be um tweaks and retweaks right um but but i think what what you're seeing from the governor is in and and those that are supporting is an effort to put a significant amount of money on the table to start you know building i mean but that the thing is that money's already on the table this just changes how it's allocated right i mean this is this is that tax on 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 millionaires that goes to county coffers and they have wide discretion now, more, at least more discretion. Now they're talking about making sure they spend the dollars building housing and dealing with the acutely mentally ill. And I guess it sounds like what you're saying is that this is sort of like a companion piece to the care courts. Um, yeah, I think it's sort of the next phase. I don't, companion piece may be too strong of an affiliation, but okay. but, but yes, I, I, I think this is the, the next way to um, put a pot of money on the table um, for use. And, you know, you, you can send it out to bond and make the payments on the bonds. Um, but, but yes, I mean, ultimately, yes. Okay, I see what you're saying, yeah. Well, um, you know, Knock LA's progressive guide says no. Uh, some younger progressives that I've talked to have said no. But it's got strong support, and I, you know... Okay, I, I'm not sure that I feel a more clear <laughs> after this conversation. If you have a if you have an opinion about this, a strong opinion, eight hundred nine two zero fifteen eighty, eight hundred nine two zero fifteen eighty, and you know, let's talk about it. We we got a whole uh, week, in what a week and a, two days to figure all this out. The final day to, to vote is is March fifth, and I want to remind you that all of my conversations with candidates from the district attorney's office uh, to state senate, they are all at kbla1580.com, kbla1580.com. We are your election information station, KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. Okay, Ed. So um, we're both right, but you you're uh, correct. Obviously, um, I wasn't. I was thinking about the money shifting, which I guess it takes five percent. Measure one. I'm talking about Proposition One. Takes five percent uh, of the money that used to go to counties um, from this millionaires tax and moves it to the state, um, but it also shifts. It creates a formula for how those counties have to spend the money. But there's also a bond on top of that, a six 
$1.38 billion bond that's meant to build mental health treatment facilities. And also, it I think it shifts the focus to, um, you know, substance abuse, right, rehabilitation, which is pretty important given where we are right now uh, in our state and with houselessness. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, what what you're seeing is that, that they're you know, that the, the systems in place to deal with those issues aren't sufficient, right? And and I think we're all, at, we all understand that. Um, the number of people that are dealing with either mental illness and or substance abuse um, is, is taxing the system. And the system needs um, a stronger infrastructure to simplify it, right? To view it in those way, in those terms. And, you know, I think Prop 1 is a good step forward for everything that you just laid out it 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 it, the creation of a bond that allows for over six billion dollars to be used to build that infrastructure if you were trying to allocate that year over year over year to get it done it, it would take forever um and and you know we're understanding the urgency of it now right it with with what we're trying to do to address so um you know the, the to your point there are there are concerns and there should be concerns. Um, you know, when, whenever there is a fixed, um, payment for bonds, um, in the California budget, that that's something that, that, that limits discretion of, of lawmakers. It limits the discretion of, of, you know, of the electorate down the road. You know what I mean? We may want to address a certain issue in, in the budget. And, and once you look up, you've got, X number of payments that have to be made before you can do anything discretionary. Right. So the next, yeah. you know, the next COVID or whatever emergency, those dollars are fixed. <clears throat> but of course, it seems like fixing the unhoused um, problem, you know, as far as our housing problem in the state, I, I you know, that might, it's going to take a minute. And anytime I see the Howard Jarvis tax associations, um, you know, opposing something, it automatically makes me want to support it because most of what they support is trash um, as far as I'm concerned over the years. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an uh, (laughs) interesting way to see it. But yeah, you know, I think... (laughs) To put um, it plainly. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, look, we view governance as being able to help people. Right. And and in order to help people, you have to design programs to to meet the needs. And those programs cost money. I think Howard Jarvis is on the other side of it, which is, you know, we don't want taxpayer money to go to pretty much anything. Right. They're Um, the people that brought us, uh, you know, the 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 property tax um, measure, which I'm not thinking of the name of it right now, but it's really let big corporations off the hook for paying their fair share. Uh, into the state budget through property taxes. Right, right, right. So, yeah, you and I both agreed. We have uh, different political outlooks on how to use government than the Howard Jarvis taxes. Yeah, we can agree on that. Ed and Dominique agree on a thing 100%. Well, no, we agree on a lot of things, but let's go to Willie from Palmdale. Hi, Willie. Uh, Good morning, Dominique, and good morning to your guest. What's on your mind this morning? Uh, I was uh, I was thinking uh, well uh, uh, I know I said this before about the mental health thing, but I think uh, metropolitan uh, uh, state hospital is a good model for mental health. They have different uh, facilities and stuff, and like the drug program and stuff. It, 
people have different problems, so they have different programs uh, to, to tailor-made for that person. I mean, it's not like being in Malibu where you pay probably about $3,500 a m- uh, month to stay there. But <clears throat> I think I read the book uh, that I, I read uh, that uh, I guess was on KBLA about uh, uh, decolonizing therapy, and I think it's like it's is it really they help a person or is it just to get the profit, you know, out the medicine and stuff? And uh, yeah, I mean, we know that there's profiteering, especially in the pharmaceutical industry, but in the, our healthcare industry in general, in 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 the United States, is one of the reasons why we get less bang for our buck than anybody when it comes to healthcare dollars. But that said, it is fair, I think, for the governor and, and our mayor and others to try to come up with some changes. Some people say Proposition 1 may lead to more, or you know, people being hospitalized against their will, and that's been a concern with the care courts. But at the same time, when you have people who are you know, critically mentally ill, when they have schizophrenia or something in a severe case and cannot take care of themselves, is it responsible to say, you know, do you want care? Oh, you don't? Okay, carry on. I mean, and just let them, you know, die um, or or get severely injured or injured others. I, I, you know, I, I think that we have to be mature enough to ask that question at this point. That's uh, that's uh, that's that's uh, that's something I can't really fathom in my mind of asking someone do they want to go into a facility because a, uh, a drug addict, I mean, for them to get off of drugs, they have to admit that they're a drug addict to actually stop. The yeah, they have to want to. But I'm talking. I'm not talking about drug addicts. I don't think they're talking about involuntarily hospitalizing drug addicts. I think we're talking about severe mental illness, which is a small percentage of the folks that are you know, on the streets, but they're the most visible and, you know, they're not just creating problems for people who aren't unhoused. They are also creating challenges for folks who are unhoused. Yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's, I could see that, that that's a, a, a real, real concern because uh, I, I don't know if I have the capacity to, to sit down and talk to someone that's, uh, mentally ill. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not a psych tech or anything like that. But yeah, I'm not either. I but it, and, and, and I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying you know that we should sweep everybody up and put them in jail or put them in mental institutions. But I do think we ha- that we have to have the option if someone is not capable of taking care of themselves of doing something about it, not just leaving them on the streets. Ed, you want to weigh in on this? Yeah, no, listen, I, I think this conversation, you know, sort of highlights um, the the political challenges of the issue, right? Um, it, it There are, um, you know, there are individual liberty concerns of, of, of people, right? Like, yeah. You know, uh, uh, but I think the collective is saying that, uh, or at least it feels like the consensus is moving towards, look, you, you, you we need to get you off the street like having you on the street living publicly is 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 not what you know we want for the state for the city for the country and and we're trying to find a solution to that that is humane to your your point um involuntary commitments are are very tough and they have to be 
uh, adjudicated on on a case by case scenario, right? Like it's it's not a cookie cutter um, <clears throat> sort of test that you can put out there um, and 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 it work. And and the other side of it is, I think people move in and out of you know states of lucidness, right? Uh, you know, nine months out of the year, you might not consider them severely mental ill, and and you know whatever causes the, those mood swings happens and, and, and people are off. So it, there's a lot, there's a lot to weigh when you look at this issue. And um, I think ultimately what we're saying is that, that we as, as a community, as a state need the resources and, and the programming and the infrastructure to do it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, someone in the chat is asking me about a person, uh, a um, candidate that they would like to see on the show. So, I just want to remind folks, we we can't cover every candidate in every race because we just don't have enough airtime. We'd be here all day, every day. But any candidate who wants to call in and get their um, four minutes of fame on Monday, uh, the final hour of the show, we did this last Monday and the, uh, the Monday before. Um, actually, we did it in the second hour of the show, but this Monday we're doing it in the third hour of the show because we... Just got a lot of candidates on. So if any candidate wants to call in for a race we are not covering, who has not been on the mic, um, you know, already as part of our equal time thing, you can you can call me. Just 800-920-1580. On Monday, final hour, we will hand you the mic and let you pitch your candidacy. So if you have a candidate you're supporting or, you know, one that you would like to expose, <laughs> let them know. They can call in Monday. I, I'm not sure if we'll do it again before the last day to vote. We might. Uh, Got to look at the schedule. But it's definitely happening happening Monday, 8 to 9, uh, open call for candidates. Just wanted to say that before I forget. Uh, you want to land for us, Willie? Uh, yes, I want to know, <clears throat> you think... Uh you think they're going to do L.A. like they did San Francisco uh, for the, the, the 2028 Olympics? Uh, you mean like uh, lock everybody up <laughs> and try to pretend we don't have unhoused people? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Um, I hope not. <laughs> uh, we have... Uh, we have a different mayor, and hopefully she'll still be mayor in 2028. So I'm going to say no, but, you know, I, that's what typically what cities do. Ed, comments and thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think part of it is uh, how you receive the or perceive what we're trying to do now, right? Like, I think what the mayor has laid out is trying to find um, – housing and solutions for people that are in, in trouble now. Now, hopefully that arc of success is, is, is trending the right way by the time the Olympics arrive. But I, I don't know that I would convey it as, as, you know, moving people around and, and sort of, you know, what do you, what do you call it? Throwing a blanket over the, the messy room or something like that. I, I think what she's when what the city is trying to do is, is deliver the, the resources to get people to help. Yeah, and I mean, I'm reading one of these um, commentaries about Proposition 1, and it says, you know, we've already thrown billions at the problem, and we haven't made any progress. I hate that argument, because can you imagine where we would be if we hadn't spent those billions? I mean, it's true that not all of the money has been used as efficiently as we would like it to, 
But we are getting people off the streets. As Pete White from LA Community Action Network said on the show, this was before Mayor Bass came in, but he said, we're taking 20 people off the street every day. 25 are falling into homelessness. So if we had never taken those 20 off, there would be people on every corner. And so to just say, oh, we haven't made any progress, is pure BS. We haven't made the problem disappear. That's true. We haven't built nearly enough housing that is actually and truly affordable, especially with supportive services. But we haven't made any progress. It's just, it's just not true. And I think to say that is, is a way to make voters say, yeah, we already passed HH and HHH and we still got tents. Well, it's, it's a big problem. It's going to take big solutions. Yeah, and, and the solutions, you know, change over time. You know, I think uh, yeah. we, we started the segment talking about, you know, how the mental health institutions were, were shut down in the early 80s. Um, and, you know, that's never been backfield, right? You know what I mean? Like that. Right, uh, right. So, so to the point of like we've thrown billions of dollars at it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree. I think we've put less of an emphasis on it through the years. Um, and, and we're now understanding, you know, what that cost is to, to that human cost is. So I, I, I agree with you in your assessment of that. It's a perfect time to call 809-20-1580. Great to hear from you, Willie, on this fabulous Friedman Friday. Ed Sanders and Dominique DePrima for KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580 is an intervention. When we come forward, includes you. KBLA Talk 1580, turning pain into power. Power. In a righteous range, and don't be afraid to say what you see. We're KBLA Talk 1580. And, uh, yeah, we are KBLA Talk 1580, and we're trying to help you get ready to be ready, unless you've already voted, in which case, call us. Let me know how, which way you went on Proposition 1. Um, I Actually, after this conversation with you, Ed Sanders, I am leaning towards yes on Prop 1. I'm not all the way there yet, but I think by the time I read throughout the weekend, either I'll, I'll you know... I'll move all the way to no or I'll get all the way to yes because right now I am leaning toward yes just because um, the bond does create additional money for specifically um, housing. And also if we are trying something new, we have to fund it. Um, If this is the something new that the governor and the mayor have gotten behind, we have to fund it, um, but I, you know, I'm I'm a little worried about some of the fine print. Is all so? I think we've made a little progress. Uh, <laughs> I think that's right. Look, look. I, I, now I'm going to continue to play devil's advocate. I'm going to come back and convince you to go go no, and then Aha, I've, <laughs> I've I've tapped into your inner contrarian. I always call it people's advocate because I never want to advocate for the devil, but I know what you're saying. Um, Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I don't either. I always try to be the people's advocate. Um, So we got some, we got offices, uh, state Senate. I I know, you know, some of these can be tough for you because (laughs) you don't, uh, you know, some of these people may be your clients for all I know, but um I will say that to me, one of the most hotly contested races for us is uh, Senate seat 35. And it's particularly 
uh, relevant today on a Friedman Friday because Stephen Bradford, who is currently in that seat, has been a real champion. I mean, we're going to be talking with George uh, Fothery, the attorney who helped you know, win the victory at Bruce's Beach. And Stephen Bradford, the senator, w- was a huge part of that victory. And so that is directly tied into today's comprehensive reparations conversation, who succeeds him in that seat. And having someone that is solidly on board with reparations is important to me. Uh, there, are, Obviously, there are other things uh, in, in, you know, issues in that district, but, um, it's a tough, it's a tough race. Um, Bradford himself has endorsed, uh, Michelle Chambers, a former Compton councilwoman, um, and, and, you know, who, uh, uh, spent time working in Rob Bonta's office, who I've talked to many times and seems like a solid, solid progressive. Karen Bass has endorsed, Laura Richardson, who is a former um, congresswoman. So these are two mm-hmm. black women. The, of course, there's other people, other people running, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start by looking at the two black women in the race. Um, it, you have any thoughts on, on the state Senate seat for 35? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a competitive one. I, I think what you, what you let in with, um, you know, uh, 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 Senator Bradford was 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 really a leader on the Bruce Beach piece. I'm glad to hear you're you're speaking with George Fothery. Um, I think you know you know that that my wife uh, Effie Turnbull Sanders is a California Coastal Commissioner, and and um, you know looking at some of the injustices throughout the history of California along the coast has been. Um, has been been part of her work, and and Bruce's Beach played into that. Um, you know, allowed them to work with the, the legislature and, and um, you know, the county at the time to to, to right that wrong. Um, but you're right. I mean, what what this conversation really unearths is, you know, that California is not always been the land of milk and honey for African-Americans. Right. And, and you know, even at its founding and, and in a lot of ways and its roots um, in governance, there are. Um, severe racial problems that we've got to pull back and, and figure out how we get, you know, what we need out of government um, to, 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 to have a chance to advance. I feel um, bad because I left out uh, Jennifer Williams, who's also running, and she's also a black woman, and she's been in here. Look, you can listen to them yourself at KBLA1580.com. We've talked to everyone, um, almost everyone, not everyone in the race. But I think all of them, you know, and particularly Michelle, particularly Laura, uh, I haven't had a chance to, to hear Jennifer. I, I, I'm, you know, curious and I'll get your feedback on that. But um, I think both Michelle and Laura have, you know, uh, uh, you know, distinguished careers thus far. Um, I don't live in the district, so I haven't seen their, right. their mail. But, but <laughs> you know, I think I think either give you give you a strong representative. Uh, yeah, Michelle, uh, Jennifer. Um Williams is, you know, she's a millennial, I think, um, and she's a progressive. She has from an accounting backward background. Those um, conversations are at kbla1580.com on the landing page. There's also um, Nilo Vega Micheline, who came in and, and did an interview with us as well. Um, and then there's Lamar Lyons, lesser known, Alex Montero. He also came in. He's uh 
He's an educator and a Hawthorne City Council member. And then Albert Robles. I feel like he's always running for something um, and <laughs> never <laughs> winning. But he is a he served. He's a former Carson mayor uh, and a Carson City Council member. So a lot of folks in this. Oh, and James Arlandis Spencer, who's not going to win. He's a Republican. Uh, he's not going to win the thirty fifth. But he is on the ballot. So. Uh, I think that's one really one to track as we, you know, I know I'm, I don't get to vote on that one either because um, he would that he or she would not be my senator. Uh, we've got a minute here. Ed, what do you want to spend it on today? Well, I mean, let, let me first compliment you and KBLA. Um, as you mentioned, you know, the conversation around these candidates, you can find those on the, the website. As you were just saying it, I went to the website to take a look, and, and you know, all of the uh, recordings off of First Things First with you, uh, you it's well organized, and you lay it out, and you can it looks really easy to, to hear those conversations. I you know, really, truly compliment you in that regard. I, I don't think there are any other shows, any other um, personalities that are, you know, being so thorough with the electoral process. Thank you. Um, yeah, we, especially the judges, because that's confusing. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and you know, that that you've got it here, you know, you can go on your own time, like I probably will over the next couple weeks and or a couple days. We don't have weeks. And, and and start to learn more about some of the folks. And, and, you know, frankly, I think you asked the questions that I would ask. And, and you know, that's why this is so valuable. So. That means you're tough, Ed, because several candidates yeah. have told me I'm tough. I don't strive to be tough. I strive to be fair. Uh, who is yeah, that? Tough, who is that boxing referee? I'm firm, but problem. I'm fair. I'm firm, but I'm fair. <laughs> yeah, these are tough problems, and you got to be. A, you know, we don't want a fluff answer. These are tough problems. We want a real answer. So you ask the question, they should answer. Yeah. Um, if they feel like it's a tough answer, well, I don't know if they should be running. That <laughs> you can find Ed <laughs> Sanders on X uh, or Twitter, as I like to call it. At e, uh, Edward M. Sanders, you can find us at KBLA 1580. And you can locate me at DePrima Radio. Ed Sanders, thanks so much. Dominique, thanks for having me on. Talk to you later. Talking with Attorney George Fothery next on a Friedman Friday, KBLA Talk 1580.